Good morning, friends. I can't tell you how happy I am to see all of you. It's really just been great to greet you. Um, We just finished a five-week series called Who is Jesus? And we're now going to just roll into the next question as we ponder God, Father, Son, and Spirit. And that question is, what is the Father like? Now, I want to warn you that human beings trying to understand God is a little bit like the block of cheese I pulled out the other night trying to comprehend my existence. Okay, that's how far we are from really understanding God. God is so far beyond us that even the writers of the Bible just resorted to poetry and, and imagery and metaphor and simile and stories. God is a rock. God is a fortress. God is our refuge. God is our hiding place. God is like a mother hen wanting to tuck us under her wing. God is like a father waiting at the end of a driveway for his wayward child. And very often, I don't know about you, but when I use the title God, in in my mind, I think in all of our minds, very often we're referring to God the Father. God, however, is a community. God is one, but God is at the same time three, Father, Son, and Spirit, all God, all together God. And so starting today in this four-week series, we're going to explore four attributes of God out of billions of attributes. Um, And we're going to, all of us teachers, kind of use the titles of God and God the Father interchangeably. I pray we can do better than a block of cheese this morning, okay? We can do our best. So I want to talk about the fact that God the Father is at his very core, in, in his very essence, holy. God is holy. This is what Peter writes in his letter. Right here. There we go. See how that magic works? But just as he who called you is holy, he's talking about God, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, now he's referring to the book of Leviticus. This is God speaking, be holy because I am holy. God the Father is holy. Now, what do you think of when I say this? God is holy. What what comes to your mind? So I think some of us picture, when we talk about God's holiness, we picture an angry God just kind of watching us and waiting to smite those of us who mess up. A God who barely tolerates us but who might tolerate us more if we're more religious or we avoid anything that smells like fun. When it comes to holy people, we picture kind of a holier-than-thou, maybe like prude kind of a person, prudish, old-fashioned, boring, unpleasant to be around, no fun, tightly wound, judgmental, unapproachable. You know who I'd like to hang out with tonight? A bunch of holy people said no one ever. We struggle with the word holy, don't we? I mean, let's just be honest. 
We're a bit like how Martin Luther, the ancient reformer, not ancient, but you know, kind of ancient reformer, described human beings who attempt to understand God. Martin Luther said, we are like a drunk person trying to ride a horse. We tend to fall off on one side, get back on, and then fall off the other, right? So we either have this twisted idea of God's holiness as anger, or we fall off on the other side and we see God as kind of our buddy, you know? As, as kind of a nice old grandpa hugging us and making us comfy and finding us parking spaces and helping our team win and making sure there's no rain for our picnics and just kind of winking at our sin. I want to try in these next few minutes to help us understand God's holiness just a little bit better. And this three-part definition that I learned in in my studying uh, really helped my block of cheese brain try to understand God's holiness a little bit better. And it says this, first of all, God is holy other. God is holy and completely other. God is absolutely unique. There is nothing in the universe that's remotely like God. God is radically different from his creatures and his creation. And yes, it's true that we are made in God's image, but God is certainly not made in ours. And that's important for us to remember. God is untamable and wild. God is completely outside of our control. And God needs not one thing for his life to be made complete, for his joy to be full. God is not limited by the laws of the physical universe. He is free and independent from it, but he also has complete and utter sovereignty over it. God is brilliant and grand and good and powerful. God is wholly other. But God is also perfectly whole. God is complete. God is full of health. He is well in the deepest sense of that word. There is no sin, no sickness, no evil in God. There is no darkness, no failure, no selfishness, no weakness, no character flaw of any kind in God. God cannot be corrupted. God does not decay. He strives after nothing. God never falls short. God can't be bribed or exploited or swept away by emotion. God exists in complete moral and spiritual perfection. And and we need to understand this. This moral perfection, this aspect of God's holiness, is the reason that God hates sin. God doesn't hate sin because God is a cosmic killjoy. Y'all, God created parties and toddlers and laughter and zebras and country music and sex, okay? God is not some kind of angry, prudish kind of church lady looking for someone to smite. 
No, God hates sin because sin is antithetical to who God is. And sin is in direct opposition to God's core because sin eventually destroys everything and everyone it touches, especially God's most treasured creations, people. God is wholly other, and God is perfectly whole. And this last part of God's holiness was a bit of a surprise to me as I studied, but I think it's so important for us to understand. God is also wholly alive. God is life. God is the creative life force behind the entire universe. God is the author, the creator, the giver of life. And any aliveness that you and I feel or see or experience in this world, the kind we can see around us on a day like this, the kind we feel within us, thank God, this morning when we woke up, right? All of that comes from God. God is the source of the deepest, truest, most creative, vibrant kind of life there is. And God himself is eternal life. That which we all desperately seek after, whether we realize it or not. Friends, God the Father is holy. He is wholly other. He is perfectly whole. And he is wholly alive. And when we grasp even a smidge of this, When we try to comprehend even the smallest fraction of God's holiness, it's like standing next to Niagara Falls or like standing too close to the edge of the Grand Canyon. Has anyone ever done this? Or it's like the time Chuck and I were hiking in Scotland decades ago and two fighter jets flew at Mach 2 low and hot over us without any warning. And we just fell to the ground. Our breath was stolen right out of our lungs. We had zero words. Our mouths were just open in amazement, and we just pointed at the sky trying to suck in oxygen. These experiences are just micro-tastes of what it would be like to fully bear witness to the holiness of God the Father. For God himself said about himself in Exodus 33, verse 20, no one can see me and live. So how on earth do we stand? How on earth do you and I ever survive the presence of our holy God, the Father, in our unholiness? There's one way. It's Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is the mediator, the go-between, between a holy God and unholy people. This is what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5. He says, for God made Christ who never sinned. Okay, so remember, what's true about God the Father must also then be true about God the Son. So Jesus 
is also holy. God made Christ, who never sinned, who is perfectly holy, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. This is the truth and the power of the gospel. And every time you and I ponder the fact that Jesus allows us to stand loved and whole in the presence of a holy God, whenever we comprehend that, we should fall on our faces in thanksgiving and gratitude and love. It's partly why we come to church to worship together. God the Father is, at his core, holy. So it begs the question, what does this mean for us? What does this mean for you? What does this mean for me? I think it means a ton of things, but at least two I want to talk about this morning. First one I'm just going to touch on, and that is that we need to approach God with awe. We need to approach God with respect. We need to approach God with what the Bible calls holy fear. Friends, God is not our buddy. Yes, yes, Jesus said we can call God Father. We can even call God Abba, right? The word that means daddy. But God is also a consuming fire. And I too often fall off Martin Luther's proverbial horse on the side of God as a nice grandpa in the sky. And I, and maybe you too, need a reminder of God's holiness. And second thing, according to our text of the day, in 1 Peter, God says, be holy as I am holy. So apparently, one of the things that God's holiness means for you and me is that we are called to pursue holiness in our lives. God wants us to be holy, other, whole, and holy alive. Now, you might be asking yourself, how on earth does that happen, Alice? How on earth can you expect that to happen in my life? I can barely make it through the morning without swearing at my kids, or yelling at the TV, or speeding, or worse. I don't know what you guys did on your way to church this morning, okay? What chance do I have of becoming holy? What chance do you have of becoming holy? Let me offer you some really great news. Courtesy again of Martin Luther. This is what he wrote. Martin Luther said, God alone is intrinsically holy, like holy in his essence. All other holiness is derived, it comes from him, from God. Human beings cannot produce holiness for themselves. They must receive it entirely from God. Our only shot at holiness comes not from our own efforts, but from God. See, often our own efforts at holiness focus on keeping the rules or avoiding sin. Neither of which is inherently bad. So don't hear me say that. But both of those things, keeping the rules and avoiding sin, according to Jesus, are not the point. And often, 
our own efforts at becoming holy people through sheer willpower end up making us arrogant and judgmental and proud of our own self-generated holiness. No. (laughs) Friends, holiness is the work of God in us. God wants to give us his kind of holiness. So if we want to be holy, which the scripture tells us we are called to be, we need to aim at the source of holiness. This is where all of our efforts should be. We need to work to grow close to God. We need to seek to know God better. We need to strive to see God more clearly. We need to pursue God. Be holy as I am holy, says God. What if we saw that statement not as kind of an unattainable command that makes us feel terrible about ourselves, but rather as a loving invitation from our Father to a bigger, better life than what this world tends to offer us? A life wholly set apart, whole, and wholly alive. Maybe what we need to do is to start to ask God for three things. First is this. God set me apart. God set me apart. You see, God wants his people to be set apart. That's kind of literally what the word holy means. Not because we're more special than other people, but because God has special work for us to do while we are here on this earth. One of my old seminary professors explains it this way. See if this helps. He was in his garage and he saw a big nail sticking out of a piece of wood, and he wanted to pound that nail in so his grandkids didn't hurt themselves. And so he looked around his garage, as guys do, and he couldn't find a hammer, which we can now find, right? We cleaned our garage, so we're proud of that. But he couldn't find a hammer. But he did see uh, his ping golf club. (laughs) A driver. And just for a moment, He was so tempted to use that golf club to pound the nail in. But then he remembered, this ping driver was set apart and specially created for golf alone. It was devoted to its one purpose. Stay with me here, people. It was devoted to drive a golf ball, not to drive a nail into a piece of wood. Can I get a witness? So he didn't use it as a hammer, for to do so would certainly ruin it for its primary purpose. In this same way, all the men are going to remember this little analogy. Gotcha now, don't I? We are to be devoted, set apart for what God put us on this earth to do which is to become fully ourselves, fully living into our gifts and talents and skills and calling and passion. Each one of us uniquely called and created to bring glory to God by simply becoming fully ourselves. Here's the bottom line. Don't use your life to pound in a nail when you were created to drive a golf ball. I wrote that line all by myself. Don't use your life, remember this, friends, don't use your life to pound in a nail when you were created by God to drive a golf ball. 
Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so maybe we could start by asking ourselves in the mornings, in the presence of God, you can do this while you shave or brush your teeth. What am I going to be devoted to today? God, what is my purpose? What have you created me to do? What am I going to be devoted to today? Second question I think we need to ask God. It's not really a question, it's a statement, it's a prayer. God, make me whole. God, would you make me whole? Meaning, would you help me live in right relationship, God, to you and to myself and to other people and to things? Would you make me less and less driven by the selfish desire to sin and more and more free from spiritual sickness and self-centeredness? Would you make me, God, more and more healthy in my soul? God, make me whole. And God may ask you, well, are you willing to let go of the things that are making you less than whole? Because you got a tight grip on some things that are making you sick. And God's going to ask you, are you willing to let go of those things so that I can make you whole? You know what those things are. I don't have to recite a list. Each one of us knows. And see, sometimes God won't make us whole. He won't make us well in our spirits because we just refuse to let go of the things that are keeping us sick and broken and unhealthy. And I know it's scary to give those things up, but I can assure you with every fiber of my being that God's holiness, God's wholeness is the bigger, better offer for your life. It's bigger and better than addiction to our phones or social media or porn or work or overspending or bitterness. And so maybe for this prayer, we can ask at the end of our days, where am I unwell spiritually, God? Where am I less than whole? This question comes with a warning, okay? Because my experience is that God graciously tends to answer this question. Sometimes with answers I'd rather not be made aware of, right? But in the end, these answers are God's kindness to me because they are the first step toward his healing. So as I have asked God where I'm unwell recently, God has shown me a jealous heart. Irrational fear. Bitterness and judgment toward other people that's completely unwarranted. I'm a kind of wide-ranging selfishness and habits that aren't life-giving. And friends, I can't heal myself from those things. But God can. And God will. And God does. And God has. And he can heal you too. 
but we gotta get honest with ourselves in his presence first. God set me apart like you're set apart. God, make me whole like you're whole. And God, would you make me wholly alive just as you're wholly alive? God, would you fill me with your life? You know why? Because my aliveness and your aliveness brings glory and joy to God. St. Arrhenius said the glory of God is man and woman fully alive. Making a decision to be fully alive in ways that are good and beautiful and healthy, giving ourselves permission to do things that bring joy to our souls, this is one of the most powerful ways we have to honor God. And it is also, hear me here, our best protection against the destructive, dehumanizing, debilitating forces of sin. You want to fight sin? Then start to find ways to live fully alive in good and beautiful ways. What brings you life, friends? For me this summer, it's been swimming laps at Burns Park in the morning, digging up to my elbows in our gardens, working with a young student at youth art team, finally sitting around a table with friends and family, and eating and drinking and laughing until we cry, walking with my husband at sunset around our neighborhood and trying to identify trees. We mostly fail, but it's kind of fun. What about you? What's bringing you life? Or what could be bringing you life? Because even when life is hard, there are billions of things that God freely gives us to enjoy. Billions. And who knew that pursuing these things could help us become more holy. Who knew? So maybe, you know, on the weekends we ask, what good things in life, good things, are making me feel fully alive these days? And how could I give myself space and permission to more fully engage these things for my own holiness and to bring glory to God. Lily, can you put the last slide up? I think it's all through, or go back to the last one, that's right. God set me apart. God make me whole. And God make me holy alive. Any and all holiness in our lives is going to come from God. And Jesus, God the Son, remember, gave us a full picture of what holiness, this kind of holiness, looks like in a human life. He lived it out, and he put it simply for our block of cheese brains. Okay, and this is a bit of a paraphrase, but you'll recognize it. Jesus said, this is a holy life. Love God with everything that you have. And love those around you as if they were yourself. And then he showed us what it looks like. 
a life devoted to his father, a life devoted to pouring himself out on behalf of those around him, especially the hungry and the poor and the naked and the sick and the lost and the least. And I believe, church, if we were actually to follow Jesus' simple commands and to aim not not for our own holiness, but to aim at God, the only source of holiness there is, we as individuals and a church community would be more holy than this world could ever imagine. And people would flock to the church just as they flocked to Jesus. So what are we waiting for? Be holy says God the Father, because I am, he is perfectly holy. He's wholly set apart. He's perfectly whole. And he's wholly alive. And he wants to give that holiness to us as a gift. What are we waiting for? Let's pray. Holy God, Father, we come into your presence as unholy people. And we are undone by the grace that you have poured out on us so that we can stand in your presence forgiven, free, and with the offer of you, from you, to make us holy. If we stop aiming at our own kind of self-created righteousness and instead turn our full attention toward you and ask, God, would you set me apart? God, would you make me whole? And God, would you help me become fully alive?